Hey, college kids, thank you for tuning into this episode. Today's interview is with Sumanth. Now, what makes Sumanth's application process slightly different is that he was applying to colleges with BSMD programs, Bachelor of Science, Doctor of Medicine. It was super interesting to learn what a BSMD program is, who should apply for a BSMD program, and how it differs from doing the traditional path and just applying to medical school after college. So I hope you enjoy. Hey college kids, welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Sumanth. So today we're going to be talking about his high school application and also the fact that he has applied to BSMD programs. So Sumanth, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Sumanth. I'm from Florida and so far I've gotten into um, the University of Alabama, which is the BSMD program, but I've also gotten to schools like the University of Florida, University of Michigan, and some places like University of Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. This is going to be kind of a long question, but I have a lot to put in. So in terms of before coming into high school, what were the expectations for you education-wise? This could be from your family, your community, or the school you went to. And then how does this tie into BSMD programs? Were you, did you know from a young age, yes, I definitely want to go into medicine? So did that kind of guide, how, how, did, how did that guide your high school experience, your high school application process? So I think my, I've always I've always known that I was going to go to college. That's kind of been an expectation and a constant. But I actually didn't know that I wanted to be a doctor until probably soft, end of sophomore year, beginning of junior year of high school. So I had some interest in the healthcare fields, but I was also really interested in things like computer science or engineering. And of course, I, I think it may have helped. I mean, yeah, it may have helped if I had started earlier just because I could have done more research and more shadowing. But I think that when I decided I wanted to be a physician, I think that was probably the perfect time just because I was able to do a lot of medically related activities and join clubs, mm-hmm. but I was also able to explore a lot of other interests just so that I wasn't super focused. And I think that was a big benefit. And yeah, I think I, did I get everything the question? Yeah, or, yeah that's okay. pretty good. That's pretty good. And we'll get into the specifics of BSMD applications, but we want to get through just standard high school stuff first. So Tell me about your high school transcript. So first, let's go through your GPA. What was your unweighted? Actually, first, give me the dynamics of your school. So were you, did you go to a super competitive high school and did they offer a lot of APs, IBs, honors, or were you, was your school on the less competitive side? So I think that my school is kind of in, in between those two. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have an IB program in my school. So I've done the IB program, but we also have a lot of AP classes. So uh, from what I've heard from other IB programs, ours is actually kind of unique because we can take both AP and IBs. So like the junior year, we took like IB US history, but we took the AP test and something like physics and math. So I think that that is a big benefit. But beyond that, uh, the school is relatively small. We have about 1,700 students, so like 450 or 420 in a class. And I, I'm number one in the class. So my unweighted GPA was 4.0. And my weighted GPA, I think, was 4.0. Eight nine five. Was this on a scale of five Yeah, on a scale of five Okay, so valedictorian, obviously, top of the class. And then, what about your SAT and ACT? This is kind of another. I consider it part of the transcript because it's like scores and stuff. Yeah. So, can you tell me about the preparations you did for SAT, ACT? Which one did you end up choosing, and then what did you get in the end? So i I think the SAT and ACT. It's really just a test on how much you practice because it's the questions themselves are not 
super difficult, most of them. And it's just like for the math section, it's just based on do you make a dumb mistake or are you like paying yeah. attention completely? So I prepared for both. I like the SAT more personally, just because I felt like like when I was practicing for the ACT, I would finish with 10, 15 minutes left, but then I go a little slower during the actual test. So I actually didn't finish the math. So I got slightly lower than I got in my practices. So my score for the ACT was a 34 and my SAT super score was 1560 with 800 math, 760 reading. So I ended up using the SAT for all of it. Mm -hmm. And then I also took the PSAT, my sophomore and junior year. Mm -hmm. So I got a 1500 out of 1520 on that. Mm, Did that qualify you for national merit? Yes, it did. So I got a, that qualified me for a full ride at the University of Florida. And I think because there's a Benekisto scholarship for in-state I think it's only for in-state, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But I get a full ride there. But also the Alabama program is, I really liked it because I get tuition paid through the National Merit Program. Oh, that's great. And I have another question in terms of kind of high school expectations. Did you strive for or were you expected to get into a top school or were you fine with getting into like state schools? So like, how did you view, was your goal in the end to like, get into one of these super, I guess we could say top 20, top tier schools, or were you kind of more spread out with like, oh, this, this, this. And if I get into a top 20 school, that's great, but I'm still open to going to like state school. So I think that my perspective really changed once I got national merit, because I knew that I'd secured, because my score was 224 to 228. So I knew I was going to get finalist at least, which means I got that full ride. So before then I was looking at kind of like a really big spectrum of schools. But once I got that, my big, my my school choice really became UF or Ivy or BSMD because I didn't see the benefit of paying $50,000 a year to go to a school that's not that much better than the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. So like I applied to mostly like Harvard, Princeton, Yale, MIT, those types of places. And then obviously BSMDs. But I think that even over like the those top 20 schools, I, I really ranked the BSMDs higher just because a lot of people that I know have gone and done the traditional path they've gone like Duke or Penn and they've really said that they struggled a lot at schools like that and that they would, they wish they would have gone to a direct med program. So I think that really helped me like decide that. But I think when you said expectations, I kind of expected to get into, this is probably not the best mindset because I know how difficult it is, especially this year because there's so many more applications, but I kind of always had the idea that I would get in somewhere good, but mm-hmm. like I never had any pressure from my parents or from, this, I guess other students have always said, oh, you'll get into an Ivy league somewhere. But besides that, there was no, internal pressure. And so like based on you were valedictorian and you did qualify for national merit and you were, you did have a pretty good standardized test score. So is that why you thought like, Oh, I'll like probably get into at least a top school of whatever kind. Yeah. That's kind of my reasoning, but also um, just because I applied to BSMDs, I ended up applying to a bunch of schools. So I was like, I've applied to so many that at some point I have to get into one of them. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that, is true. that is true there. Okay. So, We've gone through that. Oh, one more thing. You did say you were in the IB program, but then you also had APs available to you. So can you explain again, how was it for you? And I know IBs have a diploma at the end. So the IB classes you took and what was your diploma score in the end? So we haven't taken any IB tests. I don't know my diploma score yet because that's all this year. Oh yeah, you're a senior in high school. (laughs) So I've taken taken all IB classes. So I'm taking right now, Spanish BSL, so that's my second language is Spanish standard level, history, contemporary history, HL, so higher level, math, analysis, and approaches, higher level, which mm-hmm. I think is, is the high, hardest math that's offered at my school, 
English literature HO, biology HO, physics SO, and six. Yeah, those are the IB classes I'm taking. And I've taken, I think, 13 APs my time. Yeah, so I took <laughs> Okay, that's a lot. And do you mean you took like the AP test for those? Yeah. Well, take, okay, okay, okay. I, I took 14 classes, AP classes. I took microeconomics online last year, but I there was some issue with signing up because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So I didn't actually take the test. So I took one AP freshman year, which was world history. I took six sophomore year and then five junior year. How'd you take six well, sophomore year? So um, the IB program, I was doing pre-IB. So they kind of had, we mm-hmm. had to take two APs for, through that. So I took European history and English English language. So that was, that was two of them. And then I was in eighth grade they, or in sixth grade, they put me in algebra one. So I kind of was ahead. So I got to take AP calculus, AB sophomore year. So I did that. Then I also took government, AP government, um, US government, AP human geography and AP computer science, which I took online. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. I was like, how six APs in sophomore year. Okay. So now let's get on to the more fun stuff. And I guess we'll incorporate BSMD with extracurriculars because I'm sure you did have some extracurriculars relating to medicine. So you did say at the end of sophomore year, that's when you decided, okay, I want to go into medicine. How did you find out about the BSMD program and what kind of compelled you to say, yes, I will do this because it is a huge commitment. You're saying I'm going to go to the school for like the seven, eight years it takes for me to get my degree. So when did you like officially say, yes, I want to do a BSMD program? And then how did that affect high school after sophomore year? Did you change the extracurriculars you did? Did you focus on like, I'm losing the word here, like medicine related? Did you do any research and such? So the way I really found out about BSMDs was that somebody I know who lives about half an hour away from me, he actually got into Northwestern's BSMD program, which they got rid of this year. And his brother got into UMKC's program. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like really, really found out about them. And my interest actually started because we were um, on Northwestern campus and his dad called my dad and said that he got in, which is kind of funny just because we were there. And I, that's, I don't know if that was kind of just, I felt like really made me interested in it. Cause like, Oh, what is that program? And I did a bunch of research and then this was like spring break of sophomore year. So March. And I really got interested in just based on the research I'd done there. And I think that that really, that made me interested in the things I did towards medicine was that I started a club called HOSA. I started the chapter. So that's like a national organization that's specifically related to healthcare professions like medicine or physical therapy, nursing, just medical professions in general. So I started that. And then I also joined, I was already a part of the club, but I became vice president. It's called MedShare, where we pack medical supplies from like the hospital or or local clinics and then ship those to other countries. Like we shipped a lot to Venezuela and Haiti. And I did a lot in those clubs, which I think really helped. But then some of the other things I did is that I did some research. So I wasn't able to do laboratory research like at a university because of COVID, but Mm -hmm. I was able to do clinical research because we have some like clinical research labs in my community. So I went there and shadowed and worked there and had like an internship position. Mm -hmm. I did that over the summer. And then I also shadowed a physician or two physicians, one physician and one was a surgeon, but he wasn't a physician. He was a dental surgeon. So that was pretty unique. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff like that. Completely forgot. We forgot to specify what a BSMD program yeah. was. So yeah, can you get into what a BSMD program is? And then another thing I'm curious about, don't know if this is true or not, for a BSMD program, 
are there certain requirements that you need, like maintain a certain GPA, take a f- certain classes in high school, you know, AP biology, AP, um, yeah, AP biology, like just STEM oriented classes. And do you need to take any certain tests to get into a BSMD program? So can you explain what it is and then what the requirements are? So a BSMD program is basically when you apply to undergrad, you conditionally get into the medical school as well. So for instance, the University of Alabama, I I was accepted to the undergrad program probably in November because they have a rolling admission, but then they had a separate process for getting into the BSM the BSMD program. So basically what that means is that as long as I maintain the GPA, which theirs I think is 3.6, and then I have to get a 506 in the MCAT, which is the which is the admissions test for medical school. You still need to take the MCAT? I thought you didn't need to take the MCAT. Some of them you don't, some of them you do. So Mm -hmm. Alabama's you do. But the thing with Alabama that makes it nice is that I can apply out. So in most BSMD programs, in most BSMD programs, you can't apply to other medical schools without losing your guaranteed admission. Mm -hmm. But at Alabama, I can. So which is why it's not necessarily a bad thing for taking the MCAT. Because like, let's say it's at a 528. So if I get like a 520 or something really high, I could in theory get into Harvard Medical School and instead go there. Mm -hmm. So that... But if I don't get it, I still don't lose my Alabama admission. So I think that's the things that was really nice about that. And you said testing to get in. Some of the schools do require some testing. So most of them require SAT or ACT, but that's iffy this year. But like Pittsburgh was test optional. But if you don't do a test, you have to take the MCAT. So I submitted my SAT. So if I get in there and I end up going, I won't have to take the MCAT. But a lot of schools required like, I know I think Northwestern's required the SAT2 for chemistry, which... They think they just got rid of those in general. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't exist anymore. But there's stuff like that. And they all require, most of them require to take STEM classes. I don't think there was any requirements of AP or IB because not all schools offer those. But they want you to take like one year of chemistry, one year of physics, a year of biology, math, English, stuff like that. Uh, Okay. And in the, you did say that like by the end of sophomore year, you were like, okay, medicine is the field that I want to go into. But why did you specifically choose BSMD over? going to some school for undergraduate, taking the MCAT and then applying to some medical school? Like, did you want to take away that pressure of applying to medical school? Yeah. So the pressure I think is the biggest reason because so that that summer I actually went to Pittsburgh and I met one of my, my, my parents' friends and their kids went to, one of them went to the Pittsburgh BSMD and the other one went to Harvard and then ended up Pittsburgh. And just talking to those two, the one who went to Harvard was like, was telling me how she had a lot more stress and a lot more pressure to get into a medical school because it's so so difficult. And the one at Pittsburgh was telling me how it is hard because it is, it's college, it's not going to be easy, but it's not, it wasn't, she didn't feel the same pressure her sister did because she didn't have that stress to get a high MCAT score or she didn't need to keep her GPA at 3.9. It's mm-hmm. so stuff like that. And then what was the, I forgot the second part of your question. Sorry. No, that was, that was kind was of, it? that was kind of, yeah. Like why would you choose a BSMD over a like oh. undergrad and then applying to a medical school. Yeah, so so there, yeah, there's actually one more reason. So a lot of the reasons that one of the big reasons that I um like BSMDs besides the pressure was that I felt that the reduced like the fact that I don't need to have that 3.9 GPA would allow me to do more research and do more like shadowing because mm-hmm. I could spend more time in the medical field than spending time. I mean, I will obviously have to spend time in class, but I don't have to spend as much time and I don't have to spend mm-hmm. as much time like studying for the MCATs. So I think that was really uh, one of the big reasons. So like experience over going to class and trying to study and stuff. Okay. Yeah. And this is re- what we were discussing a little bit last night, but a partnership program, can you explain that a little bit and how that ties into BSMD and how it's different from just ordinary BSMD programs? 
So a partnership program is essentially just a BSMD program, except that it's between two different schools. So for instance, one of the ones that I, I know of is there's one that's St. Bonaventure University to George Washington University. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But basically, you go to one the St. Bonaventure for undergrad, and then after that, you matriculate into the George Washington Medical School. So it's a partnership between the two schools that allow you to do that. And I know there's a lot in like New Jersey. I don't know the exact ones, but a lot of them go to Rutgers University mm-hmm. Medical School. And so it's basically, it's the same as a BSMD where you have to have these GPA requirements and it, but you, you, you don't end up in the same place for all eight years or all seven years. Mm, okay. And you're, it's the same thing. Like you're kind of guaranteed, you may have to take the MCAT or and get a certain score, but you're still like guaranteed to get into George Washington. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 And let's go into the pros and cons of a BSMD program, and then we'll get go back to your extracurriculars and kind of go de- deep dive into them and see what you did there. So BSMD program, obviously you're not in college university yet, but do you know how it, does it impact the college experience? Does it change anything? Are you required to do something that other university students are not besides maintaining that GPA? So I know that the requirements was there's like, like at Alabama, I'm required to do some shadowing and some like research and stuff like that. And um, from what I've heard about most BSMDs, it's kind of like a tight knit group of people. So I know at Alabama, there's only 15 of us and we have to take some classes together. So it's like, you're kind of with that group throughout the whole time. So you really get like a good friendship and a good bond with the others. So I think that's something that is very unique about it. And it's kind of different from the traditional undergraduate experience. Wait, 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 15 people. How yeah. competitive is this? Uh, I have the number of applicants. It was, I can just, it's okay. about 500 applicants for that one, for 15 admissions. And there's only 15 that get in? Yeah, so that was actually not the highest one. For I applied to Case Western, BS, the direct med. They had, they usually have 1,000 applicants. They had 2,900 for 50 interview spots and then probably like 10 admissions. So it's very competitive. So it's basically just as competitive as applying like going to undergrad and then applying to a medical school, it's just as competitive? It probably is more competitive than doing that. But the thing is, you can still end up at... A, the thing with going to undergrad and then applying to med school, in my opinion, is that if you don't get into a, like a, a med school, and you have to wait a year to mm-hmm. apply again. So that's kind of something I didn't want to do just because I'm already in the older side of my graduating class and I didn't want to wait another extra year. So that was kind of a big thing. But also... um. You can still, even if you don't get into a BSMD, you can still go to a regular university. So that's kind of the big thing. So you can still go to the traditional path, even if you don't get into one. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a lottery, as my mom would say. But that's crazy competitive. Okay. Oh, super competitive than medical school. Okay, let's go back to pros and cons. So another thing I had a question was, does it, does applying to a BSMD program affect the cost of attending college? Do you get some sort of discount or are you required to pay more or the same? I'm not a hundred percent sure for everywhere, but I think that at Alabama, it's the same cost as going traditionally. Mm-hmm. But I know that at like UMKC, which was one other one I was interviewed at, I'm pretty sure the cost increases just because it's a shorter time. So it's, that's a six year program. So you're mentioning the pros and cons. So I think that some of the pros could be the speed. You get through the program a lot quicker. So UMKC, you can graduate that you could be a doctor in six years and like George Washington is seven years, Boston University is seven years, but then like programs like Alabama and Pittsburgh are both eight years. So I think Rochester's is also eight years. So mm-hmm. you have like the speed, but there's also, that's not necessarily true in every, every program. 
And as I mentioned that UMKC, I think the cost is higher just because you have two years of undergrad and then four years of med school. So they kind of, I think they raise the cost because of to like equalize it or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Oh, and then another thing that just came up when you mentioned that, since you are in a BSMD program and you're saying, I want to study medicine, I don't need to like look around different majors and choose. I've already settled on medicine. Does your undergraduate years, can you like avoid some standard classes that other people need to take? Because I know there are some requirements for social sciences, regular science, math that most university students need to meet. But as a BSMD student, are you kind of exempt from those and can go deeper into more STEM related subjects? I think that some programs, yes. Mm-hmm. Like the UMKC program, you really don't have like a normal undergraduate experience time. You grad, you have, you start, you'd only do undergrad for two years and then you get your degree after your fourth year, mm-hmm. but you're kind of doing medical classes from day one and you're like shadowing and doing all the things you do in medical school. But at like Alabama and Pittsburgh, you can do any major. So like I'm majoring in computer science at Alabama right now. I made, I don't think I'm going to change, but I'm considering like some other majors. But I have to take the, the normal math and English and all those standard requirements to graduate. So I think that that is still there, but some programs it's not. And like, I think that you still have to do all the basic requirements for medical school, like the chemistry, physics, biology, bio, biochem, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that overall, it's not really that you get out of classes, but in some programs, it is like you do have a more streamlined a path. Mm-hmm. And if you, what was the UMKC? If you had, are you, you didn't get into it, did you, or did you? I got an interview. I won't find out till April first if I get in. Ah, uh, if you do get into that, are you certain that you'll probably go there? Like, would you choose no, that school over most? I would probably take Alabama over it just oh. right now, because um, Alabama is like the medical school is ranked thirtieth, around thirty. Mm-hmm. So I think, and also the fact that you can apply out from other places, to to other places. And just from what I've heard about the UMKC program, the medical school is not as strong as some of the other programs that I have like on the table or that I could, could potentially get into. Mm-hmm. I think that those, re- those are some of the big reasons. But I think if the medical schools were equal, I probably would go to UMKC just because it's a much quicker, much faster, and I'd graduate quicker. And another thing that you said you wanted to talk about is what should you look for in a BSMD program? Like what are the different factors? Like, okay, think about this, think about that, think about that, and then factor that all in. So what what should a student look for if they're thinking, okay, I think I've decided I want to do BSMD. What should I look for? How should I pick my schools? So I think that there's a couple major things. So I think the first thing is like the strength of the undergraduate, just because you don't necessarily want to go to a place that would give you like a subpar education. Mm -hmm. I guess most schools won't give you subpar, but I think you know what I mean. And then, um, especially because if in the middle you decide to drop out, which you can, then you're kind of, you're, you're kind of messed up because if, because if you're getting into a BSMD program, you can probably get into a much better undergraduate school. So if you end up dropping out in the middle, then it's, you may not get into whatever uh, post post undergrad or jobs you might want because of the school you chose. So I think that's something to look out for. And then, but I think what's more important is the strength of the medical school. For instance, some of the programs, some of the BSMD programs, they they feed into medical schools, which aren't like as good, or they're all U.S. medical schools. So you can get into whatever residencies you want and and then fellowships or whatever specialties, but it's a lot harder to get in somewhere from like, for instance, UMKC than it would be from like the University of Pittsburgh BSMD, just because Pittsburgh is a much stronger medical school. So, and it's a lot better respected in the community, medical community. And same thing with Alabama. Alabama, just from what I've heard is, has a really good reputation. So you kind of have to look at that. 
Then another thing is the requirements while you're there is like GPA, MCAT, extracurricular requirements. So for instance, Pittsburgh has a relatively high GPA requirement at 3.75, but so you have to like look at that. And then you also have to like Brown has, I don't think they have a GPA requirement because I don't think Brown has a GPA at all. Just run for a lot of their classes like pass fail. It's a very confusing setup, but you have to look at stuff like that. And then like MCATs. So like UAB's MCAT is 506, but then there's some places like Drexel, which requires like a 513 or 514 in the MCAT. And mm-hmm. then that's a big thing. Cause if it's the MCAT requirement is really high, in my opinion, it may not even be worth going to a, that program just because if you're getting that score, you could get into medical school anyways. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a really important thing. But I think that the most important thing you have to look for is kind of like the fit with the program. So in a place like UMKC, I think they accept 100 students. So it's not as small of a program. But in a place like UAB, you only have 10 kids. Like Rice-Baylor, there's three this year. So yeah, Rice-Baylor is just very competitive. I think they interview like 12 for three. They usually take six people, but this year they only took three from what I've heard. Mm. So it's like you have to look at kind of the size of the program and kind of how you'd fit. Like, for instance, I don't like the Brown program. It's a great program, but I don't know how well personally I would do there just because I don't know if I would fit in at the Brown style of teaching where it's very like free form and just you, it's kind of up to you what you want to do. So I, I think I prefer a more structured path. So that's kind of why I prefer some of the other schools. Mm-hmm. You know, those are some really important things to look at. And another thing that I want to talk about, like, I guess we would say the pros and cons of BSMD is in the future, when you do graduate with your BSMD degree, do job recruiters see someone with a BSMD um, program, like who did a BSMD program differently than someone who went to a college or university for undergrad and then applied to medical school? Do they see them differently? Is one considered better than the other or is it there's no difference? I think that I don't think there's any difference just because the BSMD is just a way to get into medical school. So once you get into medical school, if you're a physician getting hired, they're not going to notice any difference. So the real benefit of a BSMD is that it eases the process of getting into medical school and doesn't really help you beyond that. So like if you went to like, let's say you went to Harvard and then you went to Pitt Med School versus you went to Pitt BSMD or Pitt Direct Med, there there may be a some benefit to going to Harvard just because it's a Harvard education and you have that reputation with you. But and from what I've just heard in the medical field, nobody cares where you went to undergrad. It's all about the med school and the residency. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Harvard and you end up going to like the Caribbean for medical school, that would be significantly worse than going to somewhere like Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So I think that's. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. And let's go back to your extracurriculars that you did in high school. So can you walk me through each one that you did like step-by-step step, and then tell me what role did you actually play? And for college application purposes, what did you put on your college application? Like I was president of this club. You did say you were the founder of a chapter in your school. So how did you structure it on your college application? And what did you actually do in that club? Or you did do some clinical research. So can you tell us a little bit about that? So I'll start off with some of like the non-medical related stuff. So I think the biggest thing that I did was the Rub- I solved the Rubik's Cube. So I'm like competitive in speed cubing. So I can solve the cube in like eight seconds. And yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen some people in my school, they're like, and they solve it. Yeah. Yeah. So like for the two by two, I can solve that. It's, it's like the regular Rubik's cube, except it's like a two by two square. Mm -hmm. I can solve that in like 1.8 seconds. And I ranked like my peak rank, I think was 113 in the world. And I think right now I'm like 150. So I think that was, yeah. Well, that was pretty good. Go on, go on. Thank you. Yeah. So I like, I went and competed at the U S national championships and the world championships 
and I, that, that was in Australia. So I went there and I competed and I put that on my resume. And that was like the first thing I put on my common app. Mm-hmm. And I, my personal statement was about the cube. And like, that was a kind of a big thing in my application. And then another thing I did that was not, I think most of mine, a lot of my like, cause it's like ranked one through 10. I don't know if they look at it based on importance, but I think they read it in order. So like a lot of the next ones were like the medical related stuff, like the HOSA chapter and the clinical shadow, the clinical research and the shadowing I did. And then some of the other stuff and like the MedStrict club was on there. So like some of the non-medical stuff, some more non-medical stuff was like, I was on the tennis team. I'm number one this year on my varsity tennis team. Mm-hmm. I play piano and there was a thing called the National Federation of Music Clubs. So I competed in that and I got the highest score every year since freshman year I and mean, since before high school, but I just put down since freshman year. Is and that like a, like regional state and then nationals? Yeah. So basically the way it works is you have like, this year was online, but before you'd pick two songs and you'd have, I memorized them. If there's, if you don't memorize them, you can't get the highest score. So I'd memorize them and we'd go to Gainesville where the university of Florida is and they'd like rent out the entire music building and we'd play. Then if you do well there, then you can go to the state level one. I think it was a state level one. And, and then you, I think there's a national one, but I'm not sure how you qualify for that. And the only way you qualify for the state one is if you get the highest score. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how that works. And you like play in front of a judge and then they score you. Also, did you qualify for states? I did. I only went in eighth grade. I never went again mm-hmm. just because I was always, it's always in May and I've always had IB or AP testing. And this year there's um, IB testing. So it's kind of, I'm always. How conveniently they planned it for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like a kind of the worst time possible for this yeah. eighth one. And what else did I put? I'm, I'm on cross country. So I'm the, I'm var- technically I was a varsity runner this year. So that was something else I put. And I did a lot of stuff that like I didn't necessarily put on my resume. So I did a lot of volunteer and community service. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was actually the student liaison for education foundation, which is like a independent organization that raises money for the school district. So I did a lot of stuff there. We helped, we fundraised for a golf tournament that was canceled because it was last April. So they did it virtually. Mm-hmm. And then we, the, that tournament raises like $50,000 a year. So that was, I don't think they raised as much, but that was a big thing that they did. I also held a Rubik's Cube competition through them. I partnered with them and we raised like $3,000 for the mm-hmm. schools. So I did a lot of stuff like that for the community. I think I finished with 450 community service hours. Wow. That's yes. And this is outside of like what school requires you to do. Cause there is some requirement. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for Florida, in Florida, there's a thing called bright features where if you have a certain SAT score and a hundred community service hours and some GPA requirement, you get like $30,000 scholarship to any in-state university. Yeah. And I think some out-of-state ones will match it, but that's only for like Florida residents. So yeah, I mean, I've, heard I've, of, I've heard of Bright Futures. I've interviewed someone from University of Central Florida and University of Florida. That Bright Futures program sounds incredible. Like, yeah, it's paid for by the lottery. So mm-hmm. what I, we were joking about it's like people who don't really know that they're like wasting their money or help, actually helping us like pay mm-hmm. for education. <laughs> so yeah, so I think that that's great. And that was the, the requirement's only 100 hours. And I think that there's some community service hour requirement for IB because I know that there's the CAS requirement, which is community action and service, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the acronym, but basically it's just like community involvement. So I used bas- most of those things for CAS and for community service. And I just kind of went above and beyond because I enjoy helping people. Yep. 450 hours is a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's move on to the medical-related extracurriculars. Um, I can't remember all of them. You opened up a chapter at your school. You were vice president of a club, and then you also did shadow two surgeons, you said, and you were a clinical assistant. Yeah, it was one surgeon. It was one surgeon and one, like, primary care physician. Uh, Okay, so let's get into the, like, high school-related, like, high school-oriented clubs, and then we can get into the actual, you know, shadowing. So first, the chapter at your school. How did you open it? How did you become interested in it? And then what did you actually do as a leader in that club? Like founder president. So a lot of the clubs like in our local area, not in my, in my County, but in the neighboring County, they had the chapters of HOSA clubs. And there was one at my my neighboring high school that it kind of died off. And then they, they started up again last year, actually the same year we did. So I had heard about the club and it's, it's called it used to be an acronym, but they changed it. It's HOSA Future Health Professionals, like the official name now. So that's how. What I does HOSA of, stand for? I, health Occupation Students of America, but I, they cha- it's weird. They used to mean that, but like in 2014 or something, they changed it so it doesn't actually mean that anymore. HOSA is just its own term. I'm pretty sure. It's a very confusing. I I don't really understand the, the politics of it all, but that's what the, there's something along those lines, and. Basically, I just kind of approached a teacher, my biology teacher, and talked to him about starting the club. And it kind of was like the worst year possible, I guess, because COVID hit it towards the end. And we I had actually had, we had a lot of big plans. Like we were going to partner with the hospital to start a shadowing program, which didn't happen because of COVID. And we went to the, there's a regional competition. So there's like a lot of different competitions. There's like a medical terminology test you can do. There's a thing called HOSA Bowl, which is kind of like a quiz bowl. So they ask questions and you buzz in and there's like a lot of different things. There's a first aid or I think CPR. So you can do like, like a, there's a dummy or something and you actually have to do stuff. And we actually almost made States in the host bowl, but it was our first year. So we didn't really know what to expect. So we didn't, act, we'd ended up not making it, mm-hmm. but States were canceled anyways. <laughs> Everything was canceled, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was, that was one of the big things we did. And then this year, to make up for the fact that we didn't get to do the shadowing thing, I talked to the CEO of our hospital to do a virtual shadowing program where you kind of zoom in with doctors and talk to them for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And then we also did like a Zoom meet conference with medical residents. who we Because our hospital has a residency program. So we did it with three or four of the people at the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. And then This was all under HOSA? Yeah, this was all HOSA. Yeah, so it actually wasn't as much as it sounds, just because there's kind of like a six month break where nothing happened. Because the the this conference was in October and the the um, competition was in January or nine month break, I guess, where not much happened. Just because we were going to start doing stuff in March and then COVID hit and then we just couldn't do anything mm. until Zoom stuff happened. So I think that that really was one thing. And then you do we were talking about the. All the medical stuff or just the HOSA club? Oh, no, no, all medical stuff. So that's, you opened the HOSA chapter at your school, and then you said you were also vice president of another medical-related club, and then shadowing the physicians. Yeah. So that club, I got involved in that after ninth grade, or during ninth grade. So that was a really small club. I think there was only like five members at the time. And I, basically what we do is the hospital has a lot of excess supplies that maybe expire, but are still usable. And actually, a lot of them aren't expired. So they'll... They th- a lot of times they just throw them away. So this club has been going on for like 10 years where they give it to one of the teachers and then he gives it to us and we pack it and ship it, like sort it and inventory everything. 
So we, I was doing that. And then 10th grade, I became the webmaster because they were doing everything like on paper. And I kind of showed them that Excel was a thing and <laughs> or Google Sheets technically. So mm-hmm. we made like a Google form that you could put in all the information and actually store it digitally. And it wasn't, it didn't take as long. So I got the webmaster position because of that. And then junior year, one of the seniors was graduating and she was the president. And she kind of, since it was still relatively a small club at the time, she gave me vice president and then she made me vice president and then somebody else was president. And then the club actually grew a lot after that. So I think we have like 40 members now. And not all of them come to meetings just because of like COVID and also people can't come a lot, but we have like 10 people come to every meeting and some the rest will come occasionally. Mm-hmm. So it's grew a lot. We've shipped over 400 boxes of medical supplies to places. And then the teacher actually took like 10 or 15 to Greece to some refugee camps. And he was able to like give them out and actually see how they were being used there. So wow. that was really cool. And actually, one of the things that I thought was really unique about it was that one of my friends who was in the club, he started a club really similar to it. But instead of medical supplies, it was food. So what he did is he bought a bunch of rice and like be- dried vegetables and would ship those and Sometimes that actually ship with the medical supplies because um, often the places that need one needed the other. So that was really unique. And that was something that I was actually able to help a lot with too, even though I wasn't an officer. Mm. I mean, that's great. And you're still, you're senior. So you're still kind of vice president of that club? Yes, I'm still vice president of it. Okay. Wow. That, that sounds incredible. 400 boxes and to a refugee camp. That's amazing. So let's go on to the last medical related extracurricular you mentioned, which was shadowing two doctors. Okay. So I think a lot of people in high school don't realize that they can do stuff out of high school. Like you don't just need to do clubs and it's hard to find stuff to do because you don't know where to start. You don't know who to ask to do like research. You don't know who to ask to do shadowing. You don't know what you can actually do. So can you tell me how you came upon the shadowing of the two doctors? And then what what did you do as a shadow? Because obviously COVID it's virtual. It's it's going to mess up everything, well, but if it weren't, if it wasn't like for COVID, what would you have been doing as a shadow? So actually with the one I shadowed, I was in person because both physicians. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think that was kind of rare for this time, but both physicians or both doctors said that I was, they, they said it was okay for me to come in and like watch. So with, with the, um, the, the, the way that I really got into it was that my dad is a doctor, so he has a lot of connections that made it a lot easier. But I was telling one of my friends that it's really just as simple as going up to your your doctor, like your pediatrician or your like your parents' doctors and asking them. And it's like one of my friends, I they saw that I was doing it, so they actually asked their doctor. And their doctor said, okay, so they were able to shadow as well. So it's really not as difficult as people think to get involved with that. And... I know that like the hospital had a lot of volunteers that weren't allowed to go back because of COVID. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities like that, that were, that would normally be open. And now I think they're allowing volunteers back in if they have the vaccine. So it's mostly for adults, but some people are, some, some of my friends have the vaccines, so they're allowed to go back. And I think that's one of the things that people need to realize is that it's not impossible. And if you really want to do it, there is a way. So the way that I specifically got into it is that right, like, like two miles from my house, there's a doctor's office. So I just went there and talked to the doctor and he already knew my dad. So that made it easier, but they weren't like super close. So it was more kind of my own, own initiative. And then after kind of talking to them, I shadowed them for, and it was all of June. And then there was like half of June and all of July. I went for about four and a half hours every day. So I'd go in the morning and then by about like 1230 or one, I would go home 
And then I would go to my, the research clinic in the afternoons. So what I did at the shadowing was that the way their doctor's office was set up was kind of unique because there was only two doctors and there was six or seven physician's assistants and one nurse practitioner. So kind of the way it worked was that the patients would see the PAs and then I followed the PAs and saw the patients on like regularly. But then one day a week I would go with the physician because he wasn't there every day doing like interesting stuff. And I saw a lot of things like mole removals and he did a circumcision, which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was able to watch a lot of that. And I actually was able to help with the more with the removal because it was like a mm-hmm. like a procedure. So we had like a scalpel and had to cut the um cut it open and kind of let it like leak. I don't know the medical term, but let it let it drain. And I I was like helping hold hold the guy down because it's it's pretty painful. <laughs> yeah. So oh, that that's was kind of incredible. So sometimes doctors will allow you to help them with some stuff. Obviously, not like a full on surgery. They're not yeah. gonna. Okay, but you can do some like stuff here and there. Yeah. So like when I was with the PAs and also the medical assistants who are like the the nurses who come and like take your temperature and your vital signs, they let me take the temperature and the, the heart rate and stuff like that. And they were actually showing me how to take blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like I didn't really learn how to do it because that's is pretty complicated, but I was able to like learn a lot with that. Mm-hmm. So I was able to see like a lot of patients and see EKGs, see procedures I mentioned. And that was it, I, my only issue with that is that it was a primary care and pediatrics clinic. So it's pretty repetitive because most people coming in to, for drug refills or for like school physicals because it was right before school was starting. So besides that, that was interesting. And I think that the the shadowing that I enjoyed a lot more was with the other, was the surgeon. So he's, he's technically a dentist. He's a dental surgeon, but it's oral, oral maxillofa- maxillofacial surgery. So you're going to have to explain that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I I don't really know how to pronounce it, but basically it's like wisdom teeth removal and like Mm -hmm. facial surgery. So he he showed me some pictures where like they had cut the skin off of a face and they do surgery on the bone and then put the skin back on it. Like they cut by the hairline so that you can't actually see the scars. So Mm -hmm. they didn't do anything like that because that's done in a hospital, but they did like a bone graft when I was there and a lot of wisdom teeth removals, but that was, so that was really unique. And I was actually talking because there's two, two dentists there or two doctors there. One of them said he was one class from becoming an MD as well. So it is like really medically, like really similar to like a medical practices run. So that mm-hmm. that was really something that I never actually realized. And, and so I like, I was able to like participate in some ways in, in the surgeries. Like I wasn't like taking out wisdom teeth or anything, but they kind of said, watch this, make sure that this meter isn't running below this. So I was always like actively doing something. Mm-hmm. And even when I wasn't, he, kind of made it so that way I was able to watch what he was doing and was explaining everything as it went. So whenever he was taking out a tooth, he was explaining what he was doing with the drill and and, take, and I thought that was really unique. So was, I have two questions that come up from that. So number one, when you are, I mean, there's a high school student who just doing a general education versus someone who's actually pursuing their doctorate degree. So they do know more medicine, more about the medical field. So would a person who's in medical school, let's say they get another let's say they kind of get an internship like you did and they shadow a doctor, are they able to do more as because they're a medical student? Are they able to perform some very minor surgeries as well? So I think as a medical student, they may not, they probably weren't allowed to do surgeries or anything. So there was actually um, a dental student there. Yeah. yeah, You mentioned that's why I was kind of curious about that. Yeah. So she was only there for like three days, but like that overlapped because I only went for two weeks because it was, it was a really long day. Like I'd go in seven in the morning. I wouldn't come back till 6 PM. So mm-hmm. they go very long days. And one of the surgeries took like four and a half hours. So that was very long. Yeah. They're it's, 
a long day. <laughs> Very yeah, tired. So. Yeah. So like she was, she did, she didn't like get to cut or make any incisions or anything, but she did a lot more like examining just because she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. So, because because that was a, that field specifically is so specialized. I think that if it was like a regular dentist or even maybe like an orthodontist, they may have allowed them to do more just because it's not as surgical and not as like you have to have so much knowledge in doing it. So I think that that would be a lot more. And then like if you're a medical student at the primary care at the regular office, they probably would let you do a lot more like talking to patients, trying to diagnose them. But of course, the doctor would be there to ensure that you don't misdiagnose or do something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that would be probably be where the where your own responsibilities would grow more. And I think that they actually, what they were saying is that sometimes when medical students come in, they let them go be their own medical assistants and like go get vitals from patients and talk to patients and do things like that. So that way they're not only is it helping the practice because it's helping them move faster. It's helping the students actually learn and like see a side of medicine that I think a lot of people may not get to Mm -hmm. see. And I have another question for your application, your college applications. For a BSMD program, or yeah, I guess it would be BSMD because that is specialized in medicine. Do they require you to do, like, get some sort of recommendation letter from someone you shat or or did research with? Is that like a requirement of some BSMD programs or applications? It is is for some. So, like, Pittsburgh required one in school and one person who was related to your uh, extracurricular activities. So, I got one of the I got one of the physicians at the research clinic to write mine. Mm-hmm. So he, that was what I did there. And then I also submitted it to Brown, but those ones were like significantly later than any of the other applications. So I wasn't able to, I didn't get those done for the rest. So most of them don't require anything like that because not everybody gets the shadow. So for instance, one of the, one of the friend I mentioned earlier, who got into HPME, which is Northwestern's BS was Northwestern's BSMD. He did no research, like no medical research. So his only research was in like materials engineering or something. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really do anything medically related in that sense, but he did shadow a little bit. And he was the, he also, he was the president of his HOSA chapter and he actually went to the regional level and became like the regional head. Mm -hmm. So he did a lot of stuff like that. So I think that they don't require it because they know that not everybody has those opportunities. And I have another question for BSMD programs. It is specific. You say you want to go into medicine. You're not just applying to the university. You did say there was a separate application, but as a student who perhaps doesn't have like, for let's say the school doesn't have funding for a club that they want to start and they they're not able to do that and they're not able to shadow anybody does it become that much more difficult to get into a bsmd like are there certain things like we should see at least something medically related in your extracurriculars or like can you explain it there is it difficult for people who don't have access to any of that stuff to get into a bsmd program i think that it may be more it definitely would be more difficult but i think that there's a lot of different essays, like most BSMDs require like m- multiple essays. So there's definitely ways to integrate that into the application. So that way this, they understand that, oh, I didn't have opportunities. I wasn't able to go shadow because of these reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's definitely something that if you don't have those opportunities, a student would definitely need to do that. But I think that you mentioned the lack of funding for a club. I don't think, I think the HOSA chapter, I don't think we used any of the school's money. So I think that that was something that was like really... I think that starting a club is not necessarily like monetarily. That shouldn't always be an issue just because it, you don't have to do stuff that requires money. But I think that even outside of shadowing and all those things, you can just go volunteer at like, I know the hospital for the long, for a long time, as long as you're 16 years old, you just have to go to their volunteer desk and ask them and they would let you do it if you fill out a form. 
So I think that even with like, that's, I think that's pretty common at most hospitals. Mm-hmm. So I think that even with that, a lot of those opportunities, it is possible to do other things medically related. But I think that if you're, if somebody is not able to do that, then it's, they definitely have to mention that in their essays. Cause okay. like they have like a why medicine and how did you prepare for like a BSND or for medical school? That's usually like a question in the essays. So if you mentioned that you really wanted to do it, but you weren't able to, then that would be something you could implement. Okay. And one thing before we move on to actually applying, you know, picking colleges and applying is you did say you did do some clinical research. So can you get into that and what you did there? Yeah. So the clinical research was basically I'd been working there for like a year. I started at January, 2019, I think. And it was like really on and off because it was during the school year and they closed at five. So it was like, I'd go once a week for like an hour or two, but then over the summer I went a lot more. And then this summer I went in the afternoons every day, like Monday through Friday. And that would, yeah, I actually, I didn't go Monday through Friday. I think I went three or four days a week for mm-hmm. like four, three to four hours a day. And so I, while there, the biggest things is that they didn't, a lot of times they don't have a lot of patients. So they, when they do have patients to come in, it's very methodical. It's a lot less free form than the regular shadowing because they have like a form of everything they have to get and everything they have to fill out. So basically every time they would like draw blood, they would, do like all the standard stuff, but then they'd have like specific questions they were to ask. And it was a lot more like testing. And sometimes the patient visits took a lot longer than they really needed to just because nobody had anything they needed to do. So that was kind of funny because mm-hmm. like the doctor's office, everybody's really rushed because they're basically always behind, which something that I noticed is that doctor's offices are really behind all the time. <laughs> why, why is that? Is it because there are a lot I don't of patients? Know. It's really, it's kind of weird. Like the doctor, he would take a long time talking to patients and he would like go into conversations with them, which is really nice for the patients, but the medic, the MAs or the nurses would get really frustrated because they wouldn't have a room to put patients in or they wouldn't really, I think the patients would get upset because they're not in the room and they don't get to see the doctor. So that was kind of thing that I noticed that there and like the difference that there wasn't that as much of a rush at the, the research clinic. But the thing I got to do is I got to shadow there as well. I got to shadow a physician whenever they would come in. And they didn't come in every day, so I didn't get the shadow all the time. But I got to do a lot of things like I got to break down some lab kits. So if stuff expired, I would go through and make sure that stuff wasn't thrown away that they needed. I got to help with the data. So I got I got to do like, um, like I got to help digitize like a lot of the data because once again, they were using paper. And then so you introduced to- Excel and Google Sheets to them? <laughs> well, I didn't do that much. They already were like in the, they already had it and most of their stuff was digital already, but I helped with like the last stuff that they hadn't mm-hmm. already put in. I put on to their program. And then there was, I don't know the word, like there was like the medical, the, the drug companies can't know where their, the patients are from or who they are. So there was sometimes they would be sending reports to them. Like if something happened, like a negative thing with like a drug or a treatment, they would have to send a report to the the company. So I'd have to like take a Sharpie and cross out everything. So I got to read a lot about the drugs and a lot about like the cases and stuff that's happening. So Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm legally allowed to say what I read, but Oh, not necessary. <laughs> yeah. So like I got to see some interesting stuff like that, but it was like a lot more like data analysis. They explained to me like how centrifuges work with blood and a lot of stuff like, like more analysis of stuff than like medicine in a lot of ways. But I thought that was. Yeah. Unique. And you said it was a clinical research place. So did, was there like research going on in the building next door or like in another floor of the building? So it was like a really small like office building. It wasn't like an office building. It was, it kind of felt like an old house that, was converted mm-hmm. to an office. But in clinical research, basically the way it works, it's not laboratory research where they're like doing some, like testing something new in like 
they're not test like with a cancer, they're not trying out a new treatment for that. The way it works is that there's a drug company like somewhere they'll make a drug and they want to test it on like they they were doing COVID vaccine trials, for instance. So basically the way they did it is the company would send them X amount of vaccines and they'd like have so many like X amount of patients they'd have to get try to get. And they would just try to they give the treatment or in this case the vaccine to the patients and then observe if there's any adverse effects, if they get COVID, if they get a lot of different things like that. So that way they can determine safety and also dosage. Mm -hmm. So that was something interesting. And I actually got to see kind of how they recruited patients because oftentimes they would talk to a lot of physicians in the area and say, if you have anybody who qualifies for these specific symptoms or these specific diseases, then they they can come to us. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. I got to like hear them like on the phone with patients. A lot of times like trying to recruit them. And they actually get paid. The patients get paid by the drug companies to like undergo trials. So that was mm-hmm. kind of like the big seller for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> and is that the kind of last medical-related extracurricular you did? Um, I think medical-related, yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually thought of one more thing I did that's not medical-related. I don't know if you want to. Sure, mention it. So I was on the Quiz Bowl team, or it's called academic team here. So I was on varsity the past three years. And I actually made the state team last year. We were going to go compete at Disney world because in Florida really, really close, but they'll never guess what happened. It got canceled due to COVID. I would have never guessed. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So we've gone through extracurriculars and such. Now we know how you applied common app. You still have to apply common app to get into the school itself, right? Yes. Okay. So So let's quickly talk about that. And we don't have to do about the little supplementals. Let's talk about the big personal statement. Can you tell me that that's the 650 word? Yeah. One? yeah, 650 words, I think. So can you tell me again, how did you approach it? Was it really hard for you to find a topic? Again, process? Did you have people edit it for you? Does your school offer some sort of like editing service or like teachers edit it for you? So how did that process go for you? So I, the, the idea I always kind of like for the past like year before I wrote it, I kind of knew I was going to do it on the Rubik's Cube. Because mm-hmm. that's like such a big part of like what I do that I knew that that was going to be what it was based around. Beyond that, I didn't really know what like the actual topic was going to be. So kind of the way I write is that I just kind of like this actually happened a lot with my essays is I'd read the prompt, I'd brainstorm for like 20, 30 minutes. And then I would just write and just whatever my ideas were, they would end up on a, like the Google Docs. And that resulted in a lot of bad essays and then a lot of drafts. So I think I did five like full drafts of my personal essay but I think I had like 10 to 15 like shorter things that I scrapped because I didn't like it so with that I did a lot of work and that and I think that I finished it really early because I started in like end of July beginning of August because I I knew that I was going to apply to a decent amount of schools because a lot of them are BSMDs which are really hard to get into so I knew that I had to finish early if I really wanted to try to finish all the supplemental applications and you mentioned editing. I actually used a college counselor. His name is Mark Stucker. I think you interviewed him like yep, yep. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So he was really helpful. Like he would, he had like a form that I'd filled out for um the personal essay just to kind of figure out what I was going to write about. I already knew like the idea what I was going to do. So that was, it did help like narrow down specifically what in Rubik's cube, but I, as I mentioned, I knew, but he like helped edit it and kind of told me that some of the drafts weren't as good. And then some one draft, I think my second full draft, which was like after like a lot of shorter essays, that was the one that I think was started to become actually decent. And then I did, I think, as I mentioned, I think four drafts after that, that were, and then until I got like a final really good one. And that took me like 
two, three weeks to do of mm-hmm. like pretty constant work just because school, my school started August 20th. So I had like three weeks of just nothing where I was working mm-hmm. on that. And then, yeah, I think that's basically it. And can you tell us, so you did say Rubik's Cube, but specifically what about the Rubik's Cube did you write about? You don't have to go through like every single word. I'm saying like just the general topic yeah. that you wrote about. So I kind of started off. So, oh, actually something else I did is I read a lot of like example ones. So like John Hop, Johns Hopkins has like a website of essays that worked. I know, so right? I, it's great. It's a great website. Yeah, I, I think my the one that really worked was kind of modeled off of one. I think it was about rock climbing. There's one that I saw that I really liked and I kind of modeled it similar to that. So what I did is I did like an anecdote about the Rubik's cube. So I just kind of wrote like a little story. It's like based off, based on real life. So it really happened. And then I kind of went off of that. And then the story was kind of like a failure about the Rubik's cube that I did or like, Oh no, it it was the real life. It was a failure, but I didn't mention that part. I just kind of said how I was preparing for a solve. And then I went off of that and said how the Rubik's cube has helped me like focus and how it's helped me become more patient. And then, I kind of tied it into a lot of different personal things that I've done and that I like characteristics about me. So I think that was really something that was unique. Like I think that would made it really work well because I didn't just focus on the cube. I focused on a lot of different things that the cube has helped me do. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so I kind of, I think that one of the things that was good was that at the, like my concluding paragraph was like really short, but it was kind of like had that, you know, like the one liner at the end that, it's kind of like philosophical something that college people, the college admissions counselors tend to like, mm-hmm. like, Oh, I, I think I said life is like the cube. It's something about like being unexpected. I'm looking forward to every twist and turn or something like that. Wow. Very philosophical. Yeah, yeah indeed. I have a question that's not really related to college, but if you can solve a Rubik's cube in one point, however many seconds, and you only place like, we say 150th, in the world yeah. what is the number one person what is okay, their so time my 100 i'm like 200 and basically the way it works is there's like an average and a single solve mm-hmm. and the average is they you do five solves they drop your best and worst time and they average the middle three so i'm like 210 for average with my in competition average is 2.1 or mm-hmm. 2.08 i think technically but I, I do a lot faster at home so my best solving competition is 0.9 0.92 seconds for the two by two the world record is 0.49 so it's like how, how do you even measure that like okay yeah interesting there okay so that was just a little question i had <laughs> so let's move on to application so first walk me through the schools that you are applying to so those who, that just don't have a bsmd you're just applying to them because you like them and you're not i don't know it's not bsmd but you still like them and then the ones that are bsmd and then can you rank them for me like in theory, if you got into all those schools, which one would be number one, number two, number three, and so forth? So I applied to a lot of schools just because um, kind of like my dad's a doctor, so money is not necessarily an issue for me. And the way that I kind of proposed the idea of applying to a lot is that I'm either going to end up at UF where I get everything paid for and they actually going to give me like they pay for more. So I get spending money and stuff. So all the money is safe for college. He's going to get to keep it. Or I'm going to end up at like Harvard or somewhere where it's going to be 70 grand a year. And this like little amount of money is not going to, he's not going to remember that he spent, spent it anyways. Mm-hmm. So very, that's kind very of how, little. yeah. Cause like in, in the, it's going to be like a drop of water in a sea of debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, that's the metaphor I used. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of was how he did it. So I ended up applying to like 20 schools, a little, little over 20. 
Yeah. So, Jesus, that took me a second to register 20 schools. I think it was 24 was the final number. Uh, yeah. do, can you remember all of the schools that you applied to? I have a spread. Hold on. I have my spreadsheet right here, like pulled up. So do we just list them? Kind yes. Of? So I applied to MIT, Michigan, Brown, Alabama. Oh, these are the direct med ones here. Brown, Alabama, UMKC, Pitt, Case Western, Rochester, Boston University, and George Washington University. Okay, pause regular- there Pause there for a sec. So those are the BSMD okay. programs. Can you yes. kind of rank them in which ones, if you, in theory, got into all of them, which ones, which one are you most likely to go to and which one are you least likely to go to? So my number one, since I decided I wanted to like go to a BSMD was always been Pittsburgh. Like that's mm-hmm. always been my number one because I was born at Pittsburgh and I just really liked the program. But then once I got into Alabama, I, I actually kind of ranked that lower before I got an interview just because I was like, oh, I don't really want to go there. And then um, I got an interview and I heard about the program. I started reading more about it. Like they, they had like an information session. And then I kind of, that kind of shot up. So like I made shoes that over Pittsburgh now. So that they're kind of really close to like one and two. Mm-hmm. It's because like Alabama, they have a thing where you can pursue like an MBA or an MPH during undergrad where I, I really like that, that aspect. Mm-hmm. Then for the rest, I am, I don't know. I don't really have like a ranking necessarily. Oh, I don't like the Boston university program at all anymore because the way they do it is that if you get an interview, they tell you, but if you don't get an interview, they don't tell you unless you ask if you got an interview, it's a really messed up system. And then if you don't get it, get into the BSMD, you can't actually get into the regular program, like regular school, unless you ask them or like notify them you want to, but then you can't notify them you want to, unless you ask them. It's like a big mess and I don't like it. It felt like it's really conceited and like self-absorbed in a lot of ways. So I didn't like that at all. So it's like n- number however many, like yeah. the very last one? Of course, if I got an interview, I'd be like, oh, that's great. But yeah, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard for me to rank them now because I didn't. I got rejected from Case, Rochester, BU, and GW. Mm-hmm. But I got interviews at UAB, UMKC, and Pitt. And then Brown, there's no interviews this year because of COVID. So it's just, you did the, there's like a video that I had to submit and then they'll tell me mm-hmm. on April 6th. Uh, so it's... So if you get into a BSMD program, do they tell you along with like you got into the school or do they tell you you got into the school, wait for the BSMD program acceptance? So Pitt, UAB and UMKC are all rolling admissions for regular. So like I applied to Pitt in like mid-October. And so I, and I found out in two weeks, UAB, I found out, UAB is just based off test scores and GPA. So I found out like immediately, UMKC, same thing. I found out like two days after I applied or after they got my transcript. Mm-hmm. And the... BSMD part is like there's a supplemental application like Pitt you have to have there's a checkbox you have to click on the application like do you want to apply for it or do you want to be um, like looked at for it and you have to have a certain SAT certain GPA to qualify and then they send you the application then you can apply for it so like that was due December 1st I think maybe the middle of December I don't remember the actual date and then UAB is also due in November I think Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have a question. So I've never understood what rolling admissions is. I okay. kind of mm, get it, but I kind of don't. So can you quickly do a quick like spiel so, on it? What does it actually mean? Rolling admissions is just like they have a date, like the last day you can apply. Usually it's in like March. But basically the way it works is you can apply at any point before then and they'll tell you like rolling kind of. So like mm-hmm. I applied to like UCF and Pitt in October and they told me then. So like you don't have to wait until April 1st or middle of March like you do for most schools. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like where based on whenever you apply, they'll tell you soon after that. There's no uh, so there's time. just like a certain window you can apply whenever, and then they'll just get back to you as soon as they read your application. There's no like official date they release. Yeah. So that's kind of how it works. And there's but a priority. If, but if you apply like 
let's say you're applying to Harvard regular decision or whatever, you can apply before the deadline, right? Okay. Yes, but they won't tell you until this year, April 6th. Okay, so time. rolling admissions is just, there's no set deadline to when they tell you. Okay. Yeah, they'll tell you as soon as possible. Okay. essentially how it works. Okay, so we've gone through the BSMD programs, like kind of listed them in order. Now let's go to the ones that are not BSMD. Can you read those out and then kind of rank which ones you like? Okay, so I mentioned MIT and Michigan, both of which I applied early action. I got deferred from MIT and I got into Michigan. So then Columbia, or I guess Michigan Brown. Ann Arbor? Yes. Oh, wow. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, so I, Brown is a BSMD, but it's also like I applied, I would have applied there regular anyways. Then I got Columbia, Cornell, Duke, Emory, Harvard, Northwestern, Princeton, UF, Penn, Stanford, Yale, Vanderbilt, and Dartmouth. So I applied to every Ivy League and more. You applied to like every top 20 school. <laughs> I did. Well, but the thing is that it was kind of like really daunting at first. I was like, I don't think I'll be able to do it. But then as I looked in the essays, a lot of them are really similar. So I kind of like, I haven't gotten into a lot of them yet. So I don't know if my strategy worked necessarily, but a lot of them had like the why Northwestern, why Penn, why whatever school. So I kind of did it where I, I had like a little thing about like Northwestern, I visited campus. So I wrote like a little anecdote about visiting campus. And then I would go find a research lab and write why that research lab. Most of those research labs are like pretty really like similar in the topic that I was interested in. So I just wrote like basically the same essay for most of them. So it wasn't as much work as it may seem, but it was definitely a lot of work. Okay. And you did list a lot of schools. So let's just do top five. What would you rank number one, number two, number three, number four, and number five if you so got I, in theory got into all of them? So I would say the direct meds are ranked above all of these. Mm-hmm. Just I would say like any direct med out, except for UMKC, every other direct med I would consider better than those. So I would say one is Columbia. Two, I would probably say like, I don't know. I would, I kind of never assumed that I would get into more than like one or two of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so never really ranked them. But I would say like either Northwestern or Princeton, probably. I just really like, I visited Princeton and Northwestern. I really like both campuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they're, I mean, North. Princeton's campus is just gorgeous, probably one of the prettiest. And then Northwestern, I love Chicago. So I was like, it's right there. It works, it works out perfectly. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I I was going to apply to the University of Chicago, but their essays are really hard. Yeah, it's just so random. And I like, it's it's really random. It's like, what would you do if you had a jar of mayonnaise? Yeah. What do they the want one, me to say? The one that I was going to do was find like a tongue twister. Like, I don't remember. I think the example was like, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck mm-hmm. and then solve yeah. it? So, I I like the prompt I thought was really in, intriguing, but I didn't want to write it. <laughs> uh-huh. So that was kind of that was happened there. What happened there? And then I I forgot. I think Stanford would be next. Number oh, five, four or five, whatever. I don't know how many mm-hmm. I said. Yeah. Okay. So, but you said the BSMD programs are ranked all above all of them. So since you did get into Alabama already, you're probably just going to go there if you don't get into other any BSMD programs. Well. I mean, yeah, probably most likely. So like if, if I get into Pittsburgh, it's going to be between Alabama and Pittsburgh. I could get into Columbia or MIT and I would choose either the BSMDs over them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. That's great. And now let's talk, I guess the last kind of topic we can do. Actually, no, one thing before we get into that. So I wanted to talk about the BSMD application itself and any advice you give there and how it differs from just regular Common App. But first I want to get into Ivy's you did apply to all of them and then you applied to a bunch of other top 20 schools, you know, top tier schools as well. Do you have any advice for when applying to an Ivy? If you do choose like, Oh, I'm going to make a couple of my reach schools, a, a 
you know, Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, whatever, do you have any advice for people when they're applying for any top tier school, not just Ivy's? So I think the biggest advice is to do a lot of, do your research, like spend time reading through the programs, reading about like what's unique about them. Just that way you can write an essay that is like specifically about that school. Cause you really want to be, you like have specific details. Like you don't want to say, Oh, I really like the program because like you're like for me, I was probably the computer science for a lot of them. You don't want to say, I don't like the computer science program because there's research you want to like, or because of like the curriculum, you have to say specifics about all of that. And like, that's really important. So you have to do a lot of research with that. But I think the biggest thing I can say is that you really want to start like early. You don't want like, don't start like sophomore year writing your essays or anything, but like, if you start make end of July, writing your personal statement, beginning of August, and you try to finish that relatively early, then you have the rest of the time just focusing on writing those supplemental essays, which that's the only reason I was able to apply to so many schools and to all the BSMDs, because like a lot of my friends, they would have two weeks before the deadlines, they were working on their personal statements, but I finished mine so long before that I was able to just kind of crank out schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So or crank out essays because you really get in a flow just because a lot of the essays are so similar that you can kind of use ideas between them. Mm-hmm. So I think and that's... then just change it to the specifics of the school. Yeah. So like my Michigan essay, I think was, or my Penn essay was the same as my Michigan essay with like the specifics changed. So like I had the same introduction and then I, I applied to computer science at Penn and biomedical engineering or bioengineering at Michigan. So I had to change a lot of the details, but overall they were really similar essays so that actually cut down a lot of the time. And like with the BSMDs, the Why Medicine essay is like, you can, I basically copy pasted it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it's, standard for most. It's standard, but then they also like, some of them have like, why this school specifically? So I had to change that. But like Brown had a, had a, why do you want to be a doctor? And then why do you want to come to Brown? So like the, why do you want to become a doctor was exactly the same as the, why do you want to become a doctor for every other school? Mm-hmm. And those were all like, I think that I finished all of those in like three days. Because after the first one, that took me a while. But after that first essay was finished, the rest were so similar that I just was able, it was like a breeze. And then can you tell me for a BSMD application specifically, is it kind of a mirror of the common app? Is there one big personal statement and then a few supplementals? Or is it just a few supplementals that they attach along with your common app essay? So it depends on the school. So like Brown, I think had five extra essays. Like supplementals, small ones? Supplementals, yeah. as well. Most of the, some of them are as big as the common app personal statement. So like the why medicine essays are usually why medicine essays are usually can't speak are usually 500 to 600 words. I think mm. 500. One of them I remember was, I think 700. One of them was 700, but it was like, most of them are 250 and they're not super different. Like they're not super long, but mo- there is some, and most of them are like repetitive. So like a lot of them are, as I didn't mention that a lot of the um, supplemental ones for the IVs, I, you can literally use the exact same essay. So like there's like the why extracurricular or not, tell me about one extracurricular type of essay. That was exactly the same between like Stanford and then for Harvard. Like I used ex- essentially the same essay for, for like a lot of them. So that made it really easy. And then that also kind of transferred to the BSMD application. So it's usually like another writing supplement or another section in the academics portion of the common app under each school. So you just have to write a couple of essays. And I I said Brown was probably the hardest just because there's more essays. And is there anything else that we should talk about that's more specific to BSMD programs in the application? Like any sort of requirements that you need to meet, any sort of tests that you need to take? 
like I guess an MCAT for high schoolers or something, is there anything that you need to take before you get into BSMD or is the application enough? So, I mean, I would say take all the APs and IBs and all the tests you can and like try to take the hardest classes available at the school just because if if they see that there's a you're not taking the hardest classes or you're not trying there, then you're not going to get in. You have to take the most challenging curriculum available to you, even if that's not an AP. Like if your school doesn't offer APs, they, they'll like, look at the school report and understand that. And they, that shouldn't disadvantage you in any way. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to maintain like a high GPA. You don't have to maintain like a 4.0 necessarily, but you should tr- obviously aim for that and then try to get as close as possible as you can. I think that'll help. And then testing wise, besides like APs and stuff, I think like you have to take the SAT, ACT, like they, they are test optional for a lot of these places. Honestly, per- do you have to take the SAT or ACT? It's not, they're test optional, but I think that this person, oh, I are. feel like it's, they are, I think a lot, a lot of them are, mm-hmm. but some of them aren't like Pitt. I mentioned you have to take MCAT if you don't do SAT or ACT. I think Alabama was not, I don't think Alabama was test optional. They may have been, I don't remember exactly, but theirs was a really easy application. They just put in your, send them your transcript and, S, and I sent SAT and then I was in. And then, um, yeah, so it's like, Try to take the tests and then try, I'd also say don't wait till your junior or senior year to take them. Cause like with COVID, a lot of people got messed up and weren't able to like retake or take them. Mm-hmm. So I took, I started taking it after I think either summer before sophomore year or during sophomore year. I don't remember when I took my first one, but I was able to, that relieved a lot of stress cause I did pretty well on my, I did well on my first SAT. And then I was I just kind of was able to focus a lot more on extracurriculars cause I wasn't stressed that I have to take that test. So that was something that I would say. And then with, I think the application itself is super important because you can have like a 1600 SAT 4.0 number one in your class, but if your essays aren't that great, or if your essays aren't like what they're looking for, you're not going to get into the application They get into the, um, the BSMD program. But I think that the application can only do so much because if you're in the top, I don't know, 5% or 10% of applicants that are, that get in, then you get an interview. So the interviews is actually what like makes or break the your application. So like for Alabama, I wasn't actually offered an interview at first. I was an alternate. So I emailed them and I don't know if it actually helped, but like the next day they immediately offered me an interview. Mm-hmm. So then um, I was like the, the last person they gave an interview spot. And then I actually ended up getting into the program. So I think that that shows that the interview is super important and actually more important in some cases. It's not more important than the application. The application is like getting your foot in the door, but then the interview is like opening the door fully. Mm-hmm. And then so from, from, from what I've heard that, no matter how good or bad your application is, if you get an interview, that all doesn't matter anymore. It's just based on how you perform at that interview. So I think that's something else that's super important to know. Well, now we just have to get into interview tips, don't we? So what do what happens in a BSMD interview? How does it kind of differ? Do they ask the same questions? You know, why should we accept you and such? And then what tips would you give for people who are, because you said the interview has a huge impact. So what tips would you give there? So with the interviews, there's a couple of different types of interviews. So I had a thing called an MMI, which is like, it's, it's called a multiple, it stands for multiple mini interview. So what they do is they ask you like a medical situation or like an ethical situation. For instance, they'll say like, I'm trying to think of one, because I signed like a non-disclosure. So, oh, I'm, not okay. so okay. I'm trying to think of one that's like not related to, well, here's like a standard one. Your friend is cheating on a test. So it doesn't have to be medical related. Like your friend is cheating on a test you go, what would you do to like resolve the issue? Or like somebody has cancer, how do you tell them? Stuff like that, where it's like, those are pretty generic enough, where I think I'm not going to get in trouble. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, 
Actually, those are, I don't think I was asked either of those, so I don't think it matters. But um, they ask stuff like that, and you have to give your answer in like six or eight minutes or however long they give you. And then they, so they're, for UMKC, I had 11 of those, 10 or 11 of those. So it was like a two hour long interview with like different stations and different people. But then like at Alabama, I had three of them. And then I had a traditional interview with a faculty member where they just asked like, it's like a standard interview stuff. So I'd say that prepare questions, like look up medical school interview questions and general interview questions, because a lot of the school, like a lot of the interviews are, a lot of the questions are similar to stuff you'd see in like a um, alumni interview for like an IV or for a regular undergraduate program. Mm-hmm. So they'll ask like, why do you want to come here? Tell me about yourself. What are your weaknesses, et cetera. And Oh, you kind of have a little question here. So the interview, as I understand it, because you said not all of them are medically related. I'm sure there are some that are medically related in specific, like, oh, why do you want to come to our school? But would you say the interview is more to find out the kind of person that you are, necess- like over knowing your, like your medical knowledge and stuff? Yeah. So they don't actually ask about medical knowledge specifically. Mm-hmm. Like they want to ask like, oh, this is the this is like the a picture of this condition. Mm-hmm. What do you diagnose? Like they're not gonna ask anything like that. They may ask like general medical stuff, like what do you think about the medical like the medical setup in the United States, stuff like that. Like what do you think is the biggest problem the medical medical community faces? Like general stuff like that. But there's not gonna be any specifics. It's just based on general knowledge. And I think that the interviews are really to find your personality and fit with the program because they already know you're smart enough to get in at that point because your scores are good enough, your essays are good enough. So they know that you are intelligent. They just want to make sure that you are a, like good at speaking and are a good, a good person. Yeah, a good person, which I think is the big thing about the MMI is because it's like an ethical situation. So it's like they just want to make sure you're not jumping to conclusions. You're thinking critically, which is like one of the biggest things. They want to make sure you're like analyzing a lot of different ideas. And yeah, I think that the biggest thing you could really do to prepare is just to practice a lot of different stuff, especially for the MMIs. They're usually are what, so there's like three types. There's like the interview type, like that traditional interview, they ask a question and you say your answer and then they ask questions about it. But there's also like an acting situation where they, they didn't have them this year because of there was Zoom, but usually when in person, they'll have like an actor in a room and they'll say like, oh, you have to tell this person they have cancer and you have to go in and tell them. And then there's another one that's like collaboration where you like have a picture and you have to explain how to draw it to someone else, which we didn't have any of those. So that made it a lot easier for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think with all of those, it's just about practicing and getting comfortable in that type of environment. And that's the same for regular interviews where if you just like, you don't want to memorize answers. You don't want to sound like you're speaking from just something you like you're reading something. You want to sound genuine. So I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. You want to like know your answers enough for you're not like stumbling for words. You're not pausing for 15 seconds in the middle to think about what you're going to say, stuff like that. Okay. So one last topic I want to go over. It's not really a topic. It's just a simple question here before we wrap up is who would you recommend applies for a BSMD program? So I think that you only should apply to a BSMD program. If you know you want to be a doctor, actually, I'm not going to say that if you have like a decent amount of interest in being a doctor, I don't think it can hurt to apply to a BSMD program. Just because if you get in and then at some point after the application, like this is submitted, you decide you do want to be a doctor and you know that for sure, then you do have that option. But I think that you kind of have, I think that it's more likely to get in if you do know for sure, because you'll be doing more like medically related activities, more extracurriculars in more in school. And I think that 
you really have to, like, if you do decide to enroll or commit to a program, you have to know like 100% for sure that you want to be a physician. Because if you end up, let's say I, I go to Alabama and then in the middle, I decide, oh, I don't want to be a doctor. I can drop out. Like you're allowed to drop out of the program and you're allowed to just be a regular student. But that would kind of be like a big, there'd be like a big downside to that because I could get into like a Columbia. And if I'm going to a school to not pursue medicine, then I might as well go to a, a higher ranked school where there's like a better mm-hmm. reputation and like the better school. So then that's something that you don't want to end up doing because it could hurt your education in the long run. And then also, I think that most people who get in are usually like, like the top 10, 15% of their class. So if you're below that, it is possible to get in. And I don't want to say don't try it again, because if you do have a lot of extracurriculars, you can definitely get in. And if there's something like really unique about your, or something that you've done that stands out, you could definitely get in with that. And if you're in a really competitive school, then obviously that doesn't necessarily apply mm-hmm. like that, that rank recommendation. So I think that overall you have to be like a relatively strong student to get in or to have a chance of getting in. And I think that if you're not, then you, you, you should still, you can still apply, but I think you definitely have to have that interest in medicine. So you have to like compensate in other areas of your application. Yeah. So like, let's say my, like, let's say your SAT or ACT is like lower, like I know that one, some people who get in, you can get in with like a 1300 or so, but you have to have like a lot of medical activity, like medically, um, medical, medically related activities or like shadowing, or you may have to do research or like publish something like getting on a published paper, something like that to really make you stand out. So just whatever you can do to stand out is that I think that would be something. And actually, I think that apply to undergraduate, like regular undergrad as well, is that it is important to do a lot of things, but I think that it's a lot of times better to really stand out, to really shine at like one specific thing. Like for instance, I have the, I'm really good at the Rubik's cube. So I think that really made me stand out. Somebody else I know went like they do, they play tennis and they're like top 10 in the state. So I think that they got into some pretty decent school. So I think that really made them stand out and stuff like that, where you don't want to like be mediocre at 15 things. If you can do those, do 14 of those like pretty well and do one of them really well, that's, a really big, a really big benefit. So anything else you want to add about BSMD programs? Any sort of information you want to include? Um, I mean, I think I covered everything basically. Yeah. So, because now I want to move on to the very, very last bit before you like officially say, you know, it's like, good night is advice. So since you are in a BSMD program, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit more. So one piece of advice for high schoolers, this can be anything you know, extracurriculars wise, general application wise, what advice would you give for high schoolers? Or it can just be like life advice, whatever. Number two is for students who want to apply for a BSMD program. Like they've discovered, yes, I want to do this. Like I want to do a BSMD program. What advice would you give for them? So one for just high schoolers in general, whether they're applying BSMD or not. And then one specifically for BSMD program, people who are interested in the program. So I think that like for the general, like regular undergrad, I kind of gave some advice for like the try to excel at one thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Cause I think that really makes you stand out. Cause I, I kind of went to that before, but I think that another thing that I would say is really important is to just try a lot of different, you know, a lot of different subjects or a lot of different classes. Like for instance, I'm majoring, probably going to major in computer science, but before sophomore year, I really had no idea that I even liked computer science until I just randomly decided to take a class in it. So like, I think like, even extracurriculars, right? Like you may never know that you want to do medicine or you want to do a specific field until you go like volunteer in that field or you read about that field. Like I know one person I know is 
was planning on, I know I was planning on majoring in history and they actually, they, they liked history in school, but they didn't really know they wanted to major in that until they actually went and talked to like the history teachers about it and needed a lot of stuff like contacting like history professors at like various universities. And like that really opened up a whole new path for them. So like, I think that you really want to just try everything like in school, extracurricularly, just whatever you can, so you can broaden your horizon to whatever opportunities can come your way. Like, and that, I think that's also something like in sports, for instance, I like basketball, but I didn't try out for the basketball team. And I that's something that I wish I did. And I think that it's really important to enjoy high school. It shouldn't just be like work, 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 work. You want to have fun. You, you want to show colleges that you also can have fun and do things to relax. So I think that you want to also have that, that thing that you can do. Like I listen to music a lot. I play music. I do the Rubik's cube. Like I do a lot of things that aren't academic in a lot, like as a sense, just, and I think that you want to be a very well-rounded person. I think that's really important. And I think for BSMDs, all of that is true. You want to, if you can try to do all of those things and then also have like a focus on medicine so that you have those like medically related things. I think that's really important. Like it doesn't have to be research. It can just be like, you can volunteer at a hospital. You can volunteer in a medically related club. You can, do like anything basically. I think that that's, it doesn't have to be something like you have to write a research paper. It doesn't have to be that extreme to get in. And I think that's the thing that people don't really, like, I think that's something that people should realize or should know. Okay. So thank you, Sumanth, for coming today. Have a good night. You too. Bye. That's it for my interview with Sumanth. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Make sure to subscribe because next week I'll be releasing an interview with Jack from Northeastern University. Now what makes Northeastern an incredible university and sets it apart from others is its co-op program, cooperative education program. This means that students take what they learn in the classroom and apply it in real life. Most Northeastern students have two to three internships under their belt before they graduate. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Also check out my blog, acollegekid.com for more college-related content. Follow me on Instagram at underscore acollegekid underscore. But other than that, I hope to see you in the next one.